Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest, repeat guest, I think he's been on twice before, at least once before, but back with us once again, Jens Nielsen. He's um, an on- real estate entrepreneur, big shocker there, right? He's got assets all over the country, uh, just moved to Santa Fe from, from Colorado, but um, left an IT career a number of years ago to focus on real estate full-time and has done multifamily. We dive into an industrial deal that they did. We dive into a short-term rental portfolio in Lake Erie that they're doing. So pretty diverse as far as the the asset classes that he's doing. And um, just kind of sharing stories and talking shop about real estate the, the the whole time. And so enjoyed catching up with Jens and just checking in on where the portfolio is, what they're doing right now. And um, so it's a good time. And I think you're going to enjoy it. We're going to get to a word from our sponsors and then we'll get into the episode. Before we do, I will uh, ask for a five-star review on Apple. If you enjoy this show, that helps push the uh, show out and helps the algorithm. So I thank you for that. If you're able to go leave us a five-star review on Apple, let's hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll get into the show with Jens Nielsen. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE's been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Yeah, it's nice to see you again. Thanks for coming on the, the podcast and look forward to, to catching up. I know I've had you a few times over the years and, and we've been uh, uh, friends in, in the, you know, in the business in different states, but have kind of kept up. So awesome to see you again, man. What uh, What's new with you? Yeah, likewise, Devin, I'm excited about uh, being back on the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of changes since uh, I think the last time we saw each other, I I moved, uh, I actually live in New Mexico now, moved out of Colorado a little while ago. What and, part of uh, New Mexico? Santa Fe. Yeah, okay. I was just there. Cool. Okay. Oh, you were? Too bad yeah. you didn't give me a call. <laughs> I know, man. I didn't realize you were there. We um, did a little family ski trip and flew in there and then ended up driving to um, Red River is where we kind of ended up, but spent some time in New Mexico. I like New Mexico. Yeah. Southern parts. I like it up here in the mountains for sure. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, for sure. It's a great place. Yeah. No, I, you know, just, just, you know, doing that real time, uh, full-time real estate investing and my, you know, my high performance coaching and th- those types of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, before we get too far into it, man, for, for folks that are kind of just tuning in and haven't met you before, how about some background, kind of your, your backstory, how you got to, got to real estate and all that fun stuff. And then we can dive into, you know, current, current events after that. Absolutely. Yeah. So as people may notice, I have a little bit of an accent. I was born and raised in Denmark. Right. I've lived in the country, I think it's on 27 years now or something like that. So, 
started you know on the east coast and have been migrating west in the last like 15 years but um basically this typical thing right got a got an got an education got a job and then in my mid 40s i realized that i didn't really want to work for somebody else for kind of the rest of my life and as i was looking around you know what should i do i kind of stumble on real estate by just reading some books and listening to podcasts this is about seven or eight years ago, it's like, wow, this looks, this actually sounds interesting, something I could understand and, and, you know, sort of tangible and, mm -hmm. you know, passive income and all those things, right? So I started out very slowly by just buying my own, my own stuff in, in Albuquerque. And now I'm so happy I still have some of that smaller stuff because yeah. bought in, you know, six, seven years ago, that's, that's doing pretty well now, right? Um, and then got into this guess like, oh, I want to actually make a business out of it. And then got into the syndication space in 2019 um, and have kind of been growing that. And I think I was counting, I think we've done 25 syndications since I started. So wow. it's been, uh, you know, anywhere from 35 units, a warehouse up to a couple hundred units, right? So we've done a lot of deals, you know, not, not hundreds of millions of dollars in the size, but just smaller stuff that has just worked out for us and our investors. Yeah. So is the portfolio in Albuquerque what drew you back to New Mexico this this latest time? No, in Albuquerque, we have about 65 units that are either just owned by me and my wife or a JV. And we did a small warehouse syndication. That's the first time we're going into like the industrial space. We did that yeah. this year. But the rest of our portfolio is kind of scattered in the Midwest, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Oklahoma. Uh, that's where kind of the rest of our stuff is these days. I got you. Are you guys doing the industrial deal now or that's one you've had for a little while? We closed it about three months ago. Okay, uh, cool. Congratulations. And yeah, it's interesting. My, you know, I had never really looked at that. My partner or a friend actually that's been coming to my meetup. He's like, Hey, I'm, I own some, I own some warehouses uh, and I found this deal. I used it in syndicating it. And I was like, I started looking at the numbers like, wow, this looks pretty good. And there's like virtually no vacancy in the warehouse space. So they're like, yeah, oh, let's do it. So what kind of, if you don't mind diving into the details, you know, we, we started getting to some industrial in the last couple of years and um, just to have something else to work on. Right. I mean, love multifamily. We do some land deals. We do industrial, you know, but what, um, tell us about it. You know, what kind of data are you putting on it? What, who are the tenants? What kind of size property? If you don't mind sharing details on it, love hearing. Yeah, that. no, absolutely. So it's uh 34,000 square feet, you know, that's okay. probably cool. smaller. It's, 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 it's kind of, it's what seven different suites, if you will, that are yep. divided up. Right. So we have a granite manufacturer in there. We have some, some artists in there. There's actually two different granite companies in there. And then the seller has, he used to like a movie prop business. So he, oh, wow. he has like the other, yeah. I mean, New Mexico is big for movies in case you didn't It is, right? <laughs> because of the, uh, what's that bridge? It's that really nice bridge in, uh, and that really nice canyon in New Mexico. Uh, yeah, in Taos. The, yeah, in Taos. The, yeah, yeah, that, that was really cool. The river Gorge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really scenic. And I guess you have mountains and you got different, uh, you got different scenery, right? For the movie business. Yeah. And tax advantages too, right? Oh, so. no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, and, and uh, 
So he has half of the space and he's actually still, we just closed, you know, two months ago and he's still actually moving out. Yeah. So we're going to lease that up, but it was, you know, a little bit of in rougher shape. So we ended up getting just banked it on there. It won't cash flow for a while, but everybody sure. was aware of that. But, you know, the current tenants are in there at like five, five and a half dollars a square foot per year. I mean, no, the market is like nine triple net and these guys are actually not even triple net so there's a ton of upside yeah you know so there's a little bit of negative cash flow for a bit we have to sustain but sure. i think go in there and you know lease it out so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this opportunity and so you've got was it seven total spaces so like seven potential yeah. tenants that you're and i know those leases can be more complex although if you're not doing triple net on the current stuff it sounds like it's pretty darn straightforward right yeah but we will go to tr- triple net and we are working with you know a broker to to lease it up for us, you know. Yep. So, yeah. But you know, I'm excited about that because you don't have to deal with with tenants and <laughs> yeah, you have tenants, but you don't have the the 24-7 tenants to deal with, right? Yeah, so, you basically owe them like, you know, the parking lot and the roof, right? It has yeah. to work and, and everything else. I mean, we've been looking at a lot of retail and we do some industrial and it's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of on you guys as your space and you pay for yeah. it. And, We'll keep the roof working and the parking lot in good shape. It's wild. So compared to multifamily, where more of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's was that an off market deal or broker deal or you you said your buddy or business partner? Yeah, my buddy. uh, I do think he did find it through a through a broker and he kind of brought me in once at when he had on the contract. He's like, man, I want to like the partner. It was actually surprising because the first time I tried to raise money on it, but a lot of positive, um, you know, response there. So. Sure. Did you guys set it up similar to like how we see a lot of multifamily syndications where you go like five years and a 70, 30 split and kind of all that stuff? Or did you guys mix it up? Yeah, very similar. 70, 30 split. I think, you know, pref on there and the five year, I mean, that that is five years at at a local credit union. Yep. Ideally we go and refinance this. Maybe if the feds are done raising rates, they'll stop. Come on guys. (laughs) You know, we get the net, uh, we get the NOI up, and we refinance in a few years. We didn't even model that in. We're just like we're going to stick. With yeah, it. But, but if we can you know, do that, that'd be amazing. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, I feel like refinancing or modeling refis in a five-year hold is just such a. I mean, we're we're making guess we're making guesses on every single line item, right? Rent growth, expense growth, tax growth, you name it. Yes, we're making educated guesses, but I feel like a refi in the middle of that is the biggest <laughs> guess. You have no idea what the rates are going to be like, what the lending appetite is going to be like. So anyway, that's good. I, we, we do the same thing. We just model a straight five years. If there's an opportunity to refinance and return capital or lower our debts, debt um, cost, great. But yeah, I'm sure not going to model it on the front end. No. <laughs> no. Well, cool. Yeah. And that, so that now that kind of opens the door, we had the experience as a company a couple of years ago, started doing different asset classes after having done a lot of multifamily and just kind of started with some small deals and see if, you know, I do a few on my own and then, Oh, Hey, this works out. And in, in this case, it was like these rural land deals we're doing do a few. Oh, I like these. These are cool. They're very different than some other stuff, but they work, did a few proof of concept. Okay. Now let's do a bigger one and see if some investors are interested. Okay. They are. Okay, cool. Like it's kind of working for everybody. And now it's like this huge part of our business. You know, it just kind of has organically grown and people like it and we like it. And and um obviously our brokers, our brokers love it. So 
Um, are these uh, land deals to sorry uh, to develop or to just hold and resell? And yeah, what we're doing is just subdividing them. So buying big, okay. you know, five hundred acre ranches out in wow. middle of nowhere. Um, I would say middle of nowhere. They're really an hour or two from major cities, but you know, you get ninety minutes outside of San Antonio, and it's depending on what direction you go. There's there's nothing out there. There's cactus and cows and coyotes, right? But people love. <laughs> Those ranches, people love buying a hundred acre ranch to take their family to or go hunting, uh, myself included. You know, I, I love going out to our ranch. So very different deal, but, you know, and so where I was kind of going that for you guys, it's like, okay, if, if you like the industrial stuff, the investors like it. Okay. Hey man, it might be this whole new tool now that you have to go, to go put together. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that. Right. Because as you said, uh, even now with the lending situation we're in, multifamily is still incredibly overvalued, I think, right? And it's made it even harder to make it work at higher interest rates. So right. not to just sit there and our thumbs for the next two years, let's, let's try something different and see where that takes us, right? For sure. You know, there's a guy that um, said something to me one time and, and he, he's like, hey, I'm a professional investor. You know, I, I understand the sentiment to sit on cash until you have the perfect deal. And um, some people are in position, sit on cash for five years and then very selectively pick a deal that they can steal. And that's fine. And that's, that's a fine approach if, you know, you're doing something else, but as a professional investor, it's like, no, we're in the business of buying and selling deals and operating deals and improving operations. And if it's not happening on this lane, we need to, we figure it out, you know, reinvent ourselves or iterate or look at things through a different lens and let's make some, let's make some deals happen. Um, so anyway, I, I totally love that approach. That's worked well for us. And I think you, you have to do it. You know, if you're a professional investor, this is obviously conditions are going to change at all times. I mean, there's always, everything's always changing. And you, you yeah. know, I think the ability to adapt is um, super important to be able to continue in this business. Absolutely. So, man, I know we talked about this before, but you got assets kind of all over the place. Are you, you know, traveling a lot to go see these? Is it, is it you've got good partnerships in place for these assets that kind of the teams are set up to be able to to kind of manage them where they are? What is your, you know, kind of yeah? I, like? I tend to position myself as being more of the behind the scenes kind of guy, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the underwriting, capital raising, systems, asset asset management from sure. remote and that seems to suit my my style, right? I mean, having been in IT for so many years, right? I'm not, you know, I don't mind being handsome, but it doesn't really, it's not really my my favorite part of it. So sure. So it works out, right? And and now I look very carefully every time we do a deal, who's gonna do what, right? And that was kind of one of these, I think, the early lessons. Oh, let's do a deal. And everybody's excited, like, yes. oh crap, we have to manage this thing for the next or own this thing for the next five years. Yeah. So now we are very incredibly intentional around roles and responsibilities, you know, even like implementing, um, you know, EOS and things like that. So just know who's doing what. So it's not pointing fingers like what I thought you were doing and, and, and those types of things. So that has, that has really also helped me dial in where I need to focus and what, what my key strengths are, right? Because, I mean, I do travel. I'm heading to Cleveland next week, right? And, uh, you know, that's probably every quarter to travel up there. So I do travel, but not as not as frequently as somebody that's much more active than on the hands-on that I am. Right? Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point about 
um, you know, the, the starting line, it's, it's like, it's easy to celebrate closing a deal. And we see that stuff online and we see emails and I'm on a million sponsors list and Hey, we celebrate buying a deal too, but that's just the starting line of a five mile, a five year race, a three year race of like a lot of work. So in my mind, there's really not a celebration for me until the wire clears from the sale. <laughs> then you could celebrate. But that when you buy it, that celebration is like three years out or four yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can't even celebrate until the final tax return has been filed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you and you know, you hit good numbers for your investors. So like there, there's so much work to do after a, oh, yeah. after a closing. But yeah, I remember going through a similar thing where we've you know, done partnerships in the past and now we kind of don't do them. We just kind of do everything in-house just because of that very thing you said about roles and responsibilities and partnerships are fine. I just, I, I totally agree with you. You got to have extremely delineated responsibilities and no overlaps, right? If somebody's dealing with the lender on draws, you deal with the lender on draws and you know, it's not you and kind of me and kind of this other guy or gal, you know, it's like somebody's got to own whatever outcome it, it, there is. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the art of, of navigating partnerships, but not having overlap on that stuff is, is tough. Cause yeah, it can be easy, especially I would say in like cheap money times, you know, when rates are 3% and everybody's raising capital and we, you know, it's a good time. It's like, let's just partner up on a deal and get her done. And it's like, sure. You know, I've done that. And there's a lot of that going on. And, but then you start then you start the race and you get mm -hmm. two years in and, um, you know, things get a little more real. So anyway, that's good. <laughs> you pick your partners. Well, pick your deals, right. Put the right debt on it and delineate responsibilities. That's all, that's all good, good stuff. Um, are you guys looking for more industrial? I, I assume you're looking for more, more multifamily. I mean, we're talking right now in May. So we're kind of halfway through 2023, we're a year into the hiking cycle. So like debts, you know, debts a little more expensive than it used to be, but um, deals are still getting done, you know, but what's your, what's your outlook on kind of what you guys are looking for on the buy side and in industrial or multifamily or anything? Yeah. I mean, I think the industrial will just be a little kind of side opportunity when they yeah. show up something locally. I don't want to overstretch myself there or go <laughs> to any market I'm not familiar with. We yep. definitely still focused, you know, um, very heavily on, on multifamily, right? And basically, you know, kind of that value add we've done, kind of deeper value add stuff, especially in Cleveland. I mean, we're up in seven or 800 units there now. We bought a lot of them from one seller, but it's basically, hey, taking a tired portfolio, putting a lot of money into it, repositioning it and, 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 uh, and taking it to the next level, right? Infill in, in the cities. And we, you know, we like that because my partner, you know him, you know Jason Perro, right? He has, you know, him and I have this really um, good synergy there, and and worked a lot of a lot of these different deals in that way. And that's just still, I mean, we're working on another 186 unit portfolio. Uh, cool. Yeah, and then we I actually did Jason, this. I said, hey, man, I haven't seen him forever. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. <laughs> um, and then we actually also just closed a like a short term rental uh, portfolio too of a. Like twenty uh, cottages on on Lake Erie. And oh wow! So we're gonna kind of take go down that route too. It's a little bit more opportunistic, right? But there's some sort of clear value add 
peace to it. Somebody, nobody else wants to touch it type thing, right? Because it just, it takes too much, you know, for somebody, you know, that's just you not, know, you know, the typical kind of syndication, like, hey, it takes way too much work for most people to get involved in it, right? But we have the, we have the GCs and the contractors and the, and the, and the manpower to do the work, right? On the, that's really cool. On the cottages, it, are they currently short-term rentals or you're buying the portfolio and then kind of transitioning them to that third party? Um, or, it was uh, kind of 50-50, you know, yeah. uh, kind of mom and pop owned and the seller had a little website and she was renting stuff out, but didn't do a great job. So we're just going to transition them all into short-term rentals and do, you know, VRBO, Airbnb or and so forth, right? Cool. What's yeah, this kind of like? In uh, Lake Erie, is it a, you got a, a big, big season up there or is it kind of a small window to strike and make your money? Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, spring, summer and fall are great. Uh, winters okay. are a little rough, but people actually sure. go ice fishing. So they'll come for the winter and go ice fishing. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, actually a lot of Canadians come down there to go shopping because it's, it's apparently good shopping malls and stuff, huh. you know, so. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, and we're not, I mean, we're expecting, you know, a 60, 50, 60% occupancy on it, but this still yeah. does, you know, that it really still do really well. So yeah, so. that nightly rate is, uh, is good. Is there any, um, when I think STR short-term rental, I always think of kind of regulatory risk or municipality risk, you know, where you hear it was okay in this city and then they decided to overturn it or limit it somehow. What's, uh, what's it like up on, on Lake Erie? As far yeah, as that's, that is definitely a great risk, right? I know here in Santa Fe, you can, if it's in the residential area, you can only have one license per person. So I can have one license. My wife could have one. So it would never work here. Right. But yeah, in that per, market like per block or per mile or per person, per oh, name. <laughs> so this human being can only have one short-term rental. That's it. In in the residential area in Santa yeah. Fe, yes. <laughs> so nobody's running a, a booming business for STR stuff in Santa Fe, I imagine. Uh, yeah, unless you're in a commercially zoned. So right. uh, back to the question at hand. Um, so that area is actually its own uh, area that is zoned for vacation rental because it's own HOA and stuff because it is really you know right on the beach and stuff. So. So we don't have that risk of the city changing their rule and so forth, right? So nice. Yeah, you get the zoning yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's we're excited about that for sure. Right. And even like having there's a there's a lack of decent hotels. A lot of hotels are kind of out in just, you know, in the suburbs and the strip in the in the malls where like you're coming to vacation. Who wants to stay in a place like that? Right. So so this is where it it works out a lot better for us. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So give, give us a, a snapshot, Jens, of the current portfolio. If you kind of have that, you know, what what does it look like right now? Yeah, so um, a lot of them in, in Cleveland, Ohio, um, kind of in the in the Cleveland Heights area, the Shaker Heights area, which is like down, t- you know, in, in, the, in the nicer, older neighborhood. So a lot of properties there, portfolios, anywhere from like, you know, 10, 20, 30 units, but bundled together right next door right so that's hundreds of units there um so in and around cleveland we've bought a lot in the last few years right um it's a i like the market it has its own challenges with high you know high taxes and utility costs there but also our bases are are pretty low then actually in you know because my partner jason is in erie we've actually bought 
quite a few units there. Incredibly cash flow, uh, uh, just long-term hold for, for, for cash flow, just because you know, just, it just makes sense. Um, even did a deal in upstate New York, 114 units. Oh no, New York, but you know, <laughs> upstate New York has, has better um, kind of tenant landlord rules than maybe if you go towards the cities and so forth. So that's, that's kind of what we've done there, you know, and then Jason and myself have, we've just partnered up and we're actually gonna launch our own, like you have your own kind of branding. And so we're actually gonna to brand together and, and, and launch oh, cool. our joint company because we feel like we've done so much together. It's like, wow. yeah, yeah, look at like private on the private equity side. Yeah, yeah. So Incrementum Partners is, is our new name there. So cool, excited. man. What is it? What is it again? Incrementum. It's just like, you know, very cool. Uh, so we're excited about excited about that. Uh, you know, I wanted really to change our business plan, but just new branding. And yeah, cool. yeah. Teaming up. And yeah, Jason's I mean, gosh, he's been in the business for a long time. So 22, 23 years now, I think. So yeah. yeah. Great guy too. Love, love, love Jason. Um, so, you know, given that you've kind of been doing this for a number of years, you've seen lots of different asset classes, lots of types of product, lots of different markets, all this stuff, and then coaching people too. You know, I wonder if you can kind of give some, some of that 2020 hindsight, having been through this business to um, to somebody that's maybe looking at this business or outside wanting to kind of learn more. And I know you do coaching too, and we'll link, we'll link to your website and everything in the show notes. But, you know, what are you seeing as, I guess, attributes of a successful real estate investor that you could kind of pass on to, um, you know, somebody that's interested in getting started? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely, it's, it's, it's patience is <laughs> yeah. a key thing, especially right now. But I think really, I think when most people get stuck, right, they, they, it's like, oh, it would be nice to invest in real estate and, you know, leave my job. I think really it comes down to, it has to be a necessity. It's like, mm. it's like, this is the one thing I really want out of my, out of my future and out of my life. And I'm ready to put whatever it takes to get there. You know, if it's hard work for the next many years, whatever it is, it's really pushed towards that. Right. And that's, you know, I really focus on the high performance coach. This is mindset and personal growth, right? And most okay. people, they don't have a strong enough vision for where they want to go. It's like, yeah, it'd be nice. And then, oh, I got a promotion at work. That's more important now. And they just kind of flush out, right? So I, the people that I've worked with that have had the staying power, you know, they really just seen that, yeah, I understand the, how long it takes, or can take the you know, the, that, that thing, you know, when the day you close the property, you're still in for the next five years, Yeah. you know, find the right partners. So important as, you know, we can't do this by ourselves. So really having the courage to go out there and find partners, you know, and, and all those things really just start growing that network and the team and, and that's, and that sort of stuff and having the, you know, the influence that you need for, to raising money. So, I mean, I know if that was very, very, not very concise answer, but no, it's great. really just having the, the, the really strong why, right? This is important to you. And that's where I think people that doesn't, they're like, yeah, it was okay, but it wasn't important enough versus the other ones. Like, Hey, I don't want to be in my job anymore. I need to take, do whatever it takes to get to this new step, this new, this new life that's waiting for you out there. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. There's the commitment. There's the joke about the, you know, you got a breakfast, um, bacon and eggs and the chicken is involved but the pig was committed, right? So <laughs> it's like, you got a lot of people that want to be involved 
in real estate or be entrepreneurs and it takes commitment. I think, I think that's a common thread among the successful people that are entrepreneurs that they went all in on it for maybe for years. I did, you know, and I've heard that story again and again and again. I remember thinking, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I I played uh, guitar and sang in a band and I thought, Hey, I, you know, I want to be a professional musician, but I never commit. I never moved to LA and slept on couches and did all that whole thing. And as I got older, I realized like, I wanted that at the time, but I didn't commit to it. And, and I thought I'm this real estate thing. Now I'm older. I'm going to commit to this and really push all the chips on the table. And I, I kind of remember making that distinction. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that's hugely important because you're going to face all those obstacles um, in, in any endeavor, but I think about it almost like a marriage where if you're dating you can kind of just walk out whenever it's not as consequential, but a marriage is different. You know, you think this is a lifetime commitment and that changes all your decision-making about everything. So I, I feel the same about entrepreneurship. So I appreciate you sharing that. And um, it's certainly been true from, from what I've seen talking to lots of entrepreneurs on this, on this show. So, so you're not necessarily doing it for the coaching real estate specific. Here's how to buy short-term rentals. Here's how to buy apartments. It's more kind of, uh, uh, what did you say? Top peak performance coaching? Yeah. High, high, high performance. performance. Yeah. So yeah. I think, and you know, you, you know, I know you do coaching mentoring too, right? Sure. This has been my observation. People come to, you know, t- to us and say, Oh, I want to learn how to invest in real estate. Right. Cool. I can teach you that. Or here's a book or here's a course you can take. We can yeah. all learn underwriting and, you know, all these other due diligence, all these other things we need to know. And most people then just like, oh, that's cool. They have knowledge. They just have knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Yep. When when the rubber meets the road, that's where that the mindset needs to, to change. The 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 commitment, as you said, is so important. And most mentorship programs doesn't really teach that. They're like, right. oh, you know, here's how you do it. And there's a, there are some people that are driven enough, like, okay, I just need the knowledge. I'll I'll make it happen. Right. But probably nine, you know, eighty percent it's mindset, right? And those people, they just never get anywhere because they just, they don't have the, the, the vision for why this is so important, the necessity, right? So that's why we work on high performance. And also, you know, we want to make sure we're not just high achievers. A high achiever is somebody that they buy real estate their whole life, but they have shitty health. They yes. have poor relationships. They, you know, money is the only thing that matters. And, you know, money is important, but up to a point, right? Everything else is what makes a high performer. And we work on the balance in your life. Because it's hard. You have a W-2 job and you're doing real estate on the side. How do you have time for your, for your, 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 your spouse and your kids and your community and your health? You need to balance all that out. So we focus on that so we don't just get lost and get unhealthy and <laughs> along the way. Right? So, so that's why I love this. So I, I, I say that people come for the mentoring, but they stay for the high performance coaching. Interesting. Yeah, it totally makes sense. They're all important, right? Health, money, relationships. I mean, you can't, you know, great relationships and zero money. It's not helping you. Um, ton of money, great relationships and horrible health. I mean, you get really, really got to have it all, right? And to, to, to live kind of the best life that you can. And it's, it is difficult. And I'm a huge proponent of coaching. I'm, I've, that was the turning point for me was spending 10 grand on a real estate coaching weekend program, you know, I went to and, and um, when I committed that money, which was a lot of money at the time, it's a while ago, it was like, all right, I'm going to, 
man, I really wrote a big check there. I'm going to commit to this. And, uh, and since then I've been in all kind of coaching programs, masterminds, CEO peer groups. I mean, you know, still am, I'm in two today. And then I, I run one too for, for multifamily. So just a big, big fan of getting in the right room with people that are doing the things you want to do. You know, I was thinking about this recently. I just, um, just did a bunch of pilot training. I was a helicopter, I'm a helicopter pilot, but then I got my uh, license to fly planes and the instructor was not giving me any breaks, right? For just every minute in the plane, you're doing this wrong, do this, never do that. You're doing this wrong. I mean, just for hours and it was exhausting, but I thought, you know, he understands he's got a short amount of time with me. He's got to turn me in the best pilot he can in this period of a couple dozen hours. And then, and then I'm off on my own, but he was not letting me go for a second. And I thought, Hey, I wonder if we should be harder on our coaching students because <laughs> you know, it's not fun, but it's making you better. Right. It's making, yeah, you better. I think there's, there's a balance, right. Because also sure. what I've learned that, you know, yeah, as a mentor, if you are, you know, Hey, this is how you buy an apartment building. You come from, you've done it many times before. So you understand it. But when it comes to all these other aspects of people's lives, we don't know, we don't know somebody as well as they know themselves, right? So right. they have to come up, you know, a coach's role is really to generate options, right? So yep. I'm not telling you, you should, this is how you should treat your spouse. I don't tell somebody that. It's like, what would be a way for you to improve your relationship with your spouse? Oh, I could do this to him or her, right? Or whatever it is. Okay, that sounds great. When are you going to do it? It's like, you know, I'm going to take take her to the spa on Friday. It's like, cool, that's awesome. And, and so forth. So you, you, they generate the options and then you create a commitment with them. Right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. They've, they've, I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but they've, they've got to, they've got to want to do it. Yeah. And there's something really powerful about expressing that out loud with other, with another person, getting it out of your own head, having accountability um, I mean, these are not secrets, right? We know these things. This is how high, prof I mean, any professional athlete has a coach. They probably have five coaches, right? So um, we should, we should be the same as, as entrepreneurs, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you guys, um, what do you guys kind of see for the, for the year ahead? Do you guys set targets on acquisitions or do you just try to look at a lot of deals? Or are you on the sidelines with the uh, debt markets where they are? What's kind of your outlook for, for how you want to operate the next year here? Definitely not on the sidelines. I mean, yep. But, you know, I think we are very opportunistic. Like we, we, yes. we keep the relationships with our brokers. We, you know, see what's coming up, right? And, and every deal that kind of, that looks like, oh, this fits into our portfolio. This makes sense. You know, we'll take a hard look at it and we'll say, okay, what's the, you know, what's the debt situation right now? Okay, interest rates are, you know, six or seven or 8%, whatever it is. And does it work, right? What is the what is the way to make this deal work? And then it's fine. I mean, as I mentioned, we did a, an agency deal here yeah. a month ago, right? In the mid fives, yeah. that's fine. Yep. You know, we're doing some more like heavier lift in the mid six, six to upper six interest rate. That's totally fine because we're buying at a good basis. So, you know, you cannot sit on a sideline and wait to pounce, right? <laughs> because you're never going to know when the right time is. So. 100%. It's like, okay, I want low rates and low prices. Those <laughs> things don't exist at the same time. One of them exists. If one of them exists, the other does not exist. If That's you got right. low rates, you do not have high prices or you do not have low prices. And if you got, if you got low prices, it's probably because you got high rates, but you got to just make it work in whatever environment you're in. 
yeah. So that's kind of where we're at, right? I mean, we already closed three deals this year and cool. uh, you know, have, have some more stuff going on. I mean, I think also operations is really important to us right now, right? Of course, yeah. That's what's going to separate the, the successful from the not successful investors these days, right? And we cannot just say, oh, I'm going to buy, sell it in two years. I mean, we could be in this for five, seven years, you know, sure. whatever the, the, the cycle is going to be like, right? So. That's right. Yeah. Well, I love it, man. Thanks for sharing your your stories and an update and, and your wisdom through this entrepreneurial journey. If somebody listening wants to connect with you, what uh, what's the best way to do that? I'm old school, so it's my email, Jens, okay. J-E-N-S, at opendoors, with an S, capital, capital.com. And if anybody wants to jump on a on a free call, they can go to opendoorscapital.com slash call and schedule 20 minutes with me talking about coaching or investing or whatever else is on their mind. Love to love to connect with people like that. Yeah, love it. Well, we'll link to your email in the show notes. If you're listening, you can just scroll down and and click through. Uh, Jens, it was great seeing you, man. I I'm love hearing your updates. Love catching up with you. Wish you guys uh, success in the new venture, even though it's you know same business model. But um, great catching up, man. And wish you guys success in the the rest of the year ahead of us. Thanks, Devin. I appreciate it. A lot of fun to catch up. All right. Take care. We'll see you soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.